Welcome to Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell, bringing you the latest information for families seeking to adopt, adoptees, and women considering placing a child for adoption. Now, with today's program, here is Marty Caldwell. Well, welcome to Let's Talk Adoption, and uh, thank you for joining us today. We've got a great show planned for you. I also want to remind you to visit our site, letstalkadoption.com, and sign up for our weekly show reminder and update. You can also find great resources on adoption, whether you're seeking to adopt, place a child, or you've already been parenting a child through adoption and want some information on parenting or special needs. We are hoping to uh, reunite uh, reunite many people through um, our program with uh, searching maybe for their birth child or adopt a family too. So remember there's free archives available on the site right now too. And if you have questions about adoption, email me at info at letstalkadoption.com too. Today we'll be discussing overcoming your fears about adoption. This is one area that many people have emailed us about, um, the fear of adoption. They are fear of not knowing what adoption really is, um, fear of maybe parenting a child that's not of their body. And so we've invited a wonderful guest, Laura Christensen. Laura is an adoption educator and founded the Seattle-based support network Heartbeat Ministries for Infertile Couples and Adoptive Families. She also writes two adoption blogs. She does a lot of writing, um, Exploring Adoption, which was rated the best of the web by Forbes magazine, and a Christian adoption blog she writes for two. She is working on two books we'll talk about in a little bit also on adoption, and she lives in Seattle with her husband and their two children, joined their family through adoption um, some years back. So she has a lot of experience, and welcome to Let's Talk Adoption, Laura. Well, thanks. I'm happy to be here. Well, thank you so much. I'm so glad we finally got you on the show. We have, um, you know, many things we want to discuss with you, and in fact, we're going to go ahead and have you back for another show next week where we'll be discussing um, the topic will be um, starting your own adoption ministry um, in your church or community. So I want to make sure that we give you a plug for that show next week because that's an area of expertise um, that you can bring to many people and help them with. But today we're going to talk about something that's very common, and that is that fear of adoption. Um, you know, many of our listeners send us emails in asking about adoption, and they share these fears, and often there are misunderstandings of what adoption really looks like. You know, you adopted your two children domestically from birth. Um, yeah. So tell me, when did you first consider adoption? And kind of give us a little background about that. Well, like many people who eventually end up adopting, my husband and I had experienced years of infertility. And we were both teaching high school at the time we were going through our infertility journey. And our students would come up to us and say things like, when are you going to get pregnant? Don't you like kids? Mm. And then they said, oh, you look so cute when you're pregnant. And so I got that all mm. the time from my students. Um, we decided not to, to go uh, the route of pursuing infertility treatment. Mm-hmm. And in leading up to our decision to adopt, we considered three main factors finances, physicians, and philosophy. Mm -hmm. Um, First of all, we knew that we couldn't afford both infertility treatment and adoption. It had to be either or. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have the same thing, that they they just know that if they fail infertility, they wouldn't have the funds to adopt. Yes. And then um, physicians was another one. I personally don't like pain very much. (laughs) (laughs) And when I was going through some of the infertility workups, the doctor warned me that some painful procedures were going to be coming soon. And he said, if you're really seriously thinking about adoption, now would be a good time for you to forego fertility treatment and really to start thinking seriously about adoption. And how did you feel about that? I mean, when he he said that. I I was very open to that because... We had been talking about adoption for quite some time already, and I felt, I think I kind of knew deep inside myself that mm-hmm. I really did not 
want to pursue fertility treatment, which brings me to the philosophy mm-hmm. of, of adoption. My husband and I really discussed the key question for us was, do we want to be pregnant or do we want to be parents? Mm-hmm. Right. And for us, becoming parents was the most important decision, and going through the nine months of pregnancy was not uh, the key thing for us. It was the actual act of becoming parents and all that comes with that. And that's such a key thing. Why don't you repeat that again, too, because people don't often think that. Well, we we talked about do we want to be pregnant Mm-hmm. Or do we want to be parents? Right. That's so. That's so important, Laura. Too. And so you both were on the same page then, pretty much. Very then. much so. Mm-hmm. We came to an agreement uh, simultaneously, um, and we both jumped into adoption uh, wholeheartedly. Right. Some people don't have that. What, no. what can you suggest to people that, that find that one spouse, you know, either a husband or wife, or if they're single, they don't have any support from anybody else? But let's talk about couples. If they have one spouse that really doesn't want to go, they really want to pursue it, uh, infertility or mm-hmm. their partner to, what, what would you, what, how do you address that and what you've seen? Well, I think they need to give it some time. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that they really need to talk through that key issue. Uh, how important is it for them to pursue pregnancy, either mm-hmm. for the man or the woman? Mm-hmm. And some, everybody always thinks that it's the woman who is the most likely one that wants mm-hmm. to, to uh, mm-hmm. pursue the pregnancy. And that usually is the case. But sometimes it's the husband. Or and the actually, spouse, yeah, we know we're, we're going to have a guest on the show. It's a, a doctor that male infertility is on the rise because mm-hmm. of pollutants in the, in the environment and other factors that uh, are coming to play in male infertility is at all high, you know, amazing the information I had found out on that. So that's something that a lot of people don't realize. And it, and it, it, it really doesn't matter. But, you know, the, the bottom line is being on the same page because it can really destroy relationships when you aren't. You yes. know, and and it, it can be a, a huge stressor on a relationship when you're uh, not both on board with adoption. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I think that it's really important that with your partner you discuss your concerns mm-hmm. and your fears and your differences and you listen to each other with a lot of interest rather than being judgmental of mm-hmm. what the other person's opinion is and mm-hmm. understand that your spouse's initial reaction may not be his or her final reaction. That's a really good point too. That's really true. Did you have fears at your at the time? I mean other than didn't want to go through the infertility as far as and then you made that decision. Did you have any particular fears that were, you know, coming coming to the surface that you that you felt you were dealing with that maybe would help some other listeners? Our main fear going into adoption was the same as nearly all prospective adoptive parents that I've met, and that is that the birth parents would want to reclaim their child. Sure. And I hear that from people who are adopting internationally as well as domestically. Right, because you do the blogs, and so you have a lot of people that are contacting you on an ongoing basis with really fresh thoughts and feelings and, mm-hmm. and questions, and so that's, that's really good to know. And domestically, and that's why people are going internationally because they feel like they're getting, they're going internationally because they feel like they're not going to have to deal with that. But they sometimes face other, you know, challenges too. Exactly. And I think be on board too. You know, so so at this time, you both decided to do that. Um, where did you turn for your support? Um, because, you know, you're teaching, you're both the high school. Um, did you share with your families right away that you were, um, you know, going to go through with an adoption plan, that you had thought about that? We did share with our families fairly early on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as we were, were going through the infertility, I think they grieved for us and grieved with us, uh, kind of a quiet sort of grieving. They weren't quite sure how to react or what to say. Yes. So we didn't feel like we received a tremendous amount of, resp- of support in that respect. Mm-hmm. When we shared that we were making the decision to pursue adoption, 
people in our family were excited. But again, they, they weren't familiar with adoption. We didn't have anybody mm-hmm. in either of our extended families who had adopted a child. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have one sister-in-law who was adopted as an infant. And so we were able to talk quite a bit about it. That's great. Um, but the rest of the people, it took some educating. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took some time for people to become comfortable with the idea. Mm-hmm. And they had many of the same fears that we did. Are the birth parents going to come and steal the child away? Because the media brings that out. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's the hard part. You did you? What were common fears that you see a lot of people having right now around adoption surrounding? I mean, other than birth mom reclaim, and um, do you see people fearful that they won't be able to love a child that's not of their body? Or I think body? that that's another huge fear that most adoptive parents have, and I'm not quite sure how to answer that fear mm-hmm. other than to say that once you do adopt your child, it becomes very clear to you that you could not possibly love another child as much as you love your adopted mm-hmm. child. I agree. I Every agree. child is unique and different, and you mm-hmm. love each child in slightly different ways, whether mm-hmm. they're born to you or whether they come into your family through adoption. Mm-hmm. I think, too, too. You had, at the time, um, you, were, you were thinking about open adoption. Did you consider, um, you know, uh, just a newborn, older children, domestic, or where did you come into... Um, you know, at the time you were thinking about open adoption, but you weren't really open to it, I believe, right? Yes. Um, that was back in the early 90s mm-hmm. when open adoption was a fairly new thing. Right. And so we went into adoption with the idea that we would do, I guess, what you might call a semi-open adoption, mm-hmm. where we did not disclose our last names or mm-hmm. specifically where we lived. They, mm-hmm. We kind of told them the general area that we lived in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we sent letters and pictures back and forth, and our adoption agency served as the intermediary in forwarding those letters and, and pictures back and forth so that mm-hmm. we didn't actually uh, see each other's addresses or last names coming on the envelopes. Right. Um, and then we decided to open our adoption up a couple years down the line. And you did. And what changed your mind? What, what your change of view? <laughs> um, our son's birth mother. Mm-hmm. How she? She yeah. and <laughs> I. <laughs> she's just a great person. She and I exchanged letters for a couple of years. Both of us love to write, and mm-hmm. she told me that one of the ways that would help her to be able to move on with her life uh, in the most positive way was to know every detail about what her son was doing, how he was growing. She wanted to be assured that he was healthy, that he was happy, that he was thriving. And so we wrote letters back and forth for a couple of years. And after two years, we kind of said, you know, this is sort of ridiculous. Right. We we love each other. Mm-hmm. We have developed this wonderful friendship. And you've got a bond, of common this bond. This wonderful sense of trust, mm-hmm. this common bond that we have with the love that we share for our son. Mm-hmm. And... It's kind of silly to be feeling fearful mm-hmm. and to be having secrets from one another. So let's just try it out, get to know each other on a personal level, and see where it goes. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you've come a long way in conquering those fears about open adoption. We um, have come light years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and, 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 that's, and, and, that, and it opened, it's happened very slowly. Um, it did. Did you find there was an a, a, you know, interest for your son because he, um, he had some information, medical or about social, about the birth mother or... Did you find benefits for your child that, that also helped you make that decision, open it up? Um, well, I, I would say that the benefits have come since we've opened it up. I see. Because he was only two years old when he opened it up, so mm-hmm. he couldn't really remember her right. before that 
point mm-hmm. in time. So she's always been a part of his life. Mm-hmm. And then with the second child we adopted, we went into it with a completely open adoption. Yes. And so they, for example, my oldest son is going to be spending Saturday at his birth mom's place, and they're going to go watch a movie together mm-hmm. um, with her family and her other two little daughters. And my other son spent an hour talking with his birth father on the phone the other day, and they're trying to get together to go boating this mm-hmm. summer. So. And, and they, they haven't tried to kidnap the child then, right? They have not, <laughs> and they've had oh. opportunities to do so. And, in fact, we've asked them many times. You know, it's just that fear never quite goes away completely. Yeah. And we've yeah. said, you know, do you do you wish you could just take them home with you? And they say, no. <laughs> you know, like they're horrified. No, like they can come visit, but we don't right. really know. Yeah. That, they I, can go back home. I get that so often from birth mothers, too. They just said, no way. I mean, this is, you know, this is the choice they made. Well, we're going to take a quick break. Okay. And we come back. Um, we're going to speak more with Laura Christensen regarding overcoming the fears about adoption that I think will help you and the people around you. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this quick break. On my 18th birthday, I made a decision that would affect me forever. I chose life for my baby. I wasn't ready to be a mom or even to change my dreams of being a singer. Many of my friends offered to help me end my pregnancy. But then I learned about another option that provides a beautiful life for my baby, adoption. I was able to choose my son's parents and even meet them at the hospital. They love him so much and he's an answer to their prayers. I get emails and pictures from them. I even travel to visit my son each year. He has wonderful parents, an awesome life, and a solid future. Everything I wanted for him. And now, I've even moved to Nashville to follow my dreams. I chose life. I chose adoption. Open adoption means you make the choices. Choose the adoptive family, how much contact you want, and how you want the adoption to happen. To learn more about adoption, call 1-800-923-6784 or visit LifetimeAdoption.com. You can speak with a compassionate counselor confidentially 24 hours a day. Call Lifetime at 1-800-923-6784. Welcome back to Let's Talk Adoption. I'm Marty Caldwell on KFIA AM 710. If you're considering adoption and want to know more about where to start, what to expect, and who to turn to, AdoptingOnline.com is a resource that I wrote for hopeful adoptable parents. It's available at local bookstores and online and on the book site also, AdoptingOnline.com, or you can call 1-877-432-6785 to order it now. And um, again, that number is one 877 Four three two six seven eight five. If you just joined the program, we're talking about overcoming your fears about adoption with adoption educator and mother of two children through adoption, Laura Christensen, uh, based out of Seattle. Um, Laura is also working on a number of um, projects. She has two books she's working on right now, and her website is Laura Christensen, L-A-U-R-A-C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N-S-O-N.com. And um, for anybody interested, we have a tip sheet that Laura is going to make available uh, if you'd like to email us at info at letstalkadoption.com, we will send you um, five ways to encourage friends who are waiting to adopt. That's a really important tip sheet. And, Laura, thank you so much for offering that to our listeners, too. You're welcome. Now, so we're talking a little bit about before the break about, um, you know, the fears that people have 
And, um, that, you know, you had actually, you know, your children, now you have two children. They mm-hmm. are in open adoption, a completely open adoption at this point. Um, but people do worry about that type of thing. Where did you, you know, get support while you're going through this? Let's, let's back up a little bit. You know, when you're trying to start, a lot of people, like you said, you had to educate them. Did you read books? Because there weren't a lot of things out there in the 90s before the Internet. This is true. So, yes, I did read a lot of books. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish I would have had the availability of the Internet and of oh. books such as your book, Adopt, AdoptingOnline.com, oh, which is you. wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and, and we didn't have that back then, and I know when I adopted too, and that's why I know your blogs are really important. I mean, you've got Exploring Adoption Blog and the Christian Adoption Blog, which are great blogs, and these really help people um, now, and I, I think maybe that's kind of where we're going is, is people are gathering this information. What advice do you have um, that you can offer prospective parents that are considering uh, adoption and, and open adoption and semi-open adoption um, just to get started? Well, I would try, I would advise them to learn as much as they can about the background of the potential birth parents mm-hmm. and to definitely meet the birth parents if possible before the adoption so that they can get acquainted. I, I totally agree. Face-to-face um, is always wonderful if you can do that. Yes, and, and you just you feel a sense of connection when you mm-hmm. meet with mm-hmm. people, whether or not you end up adopting their child. We met with several uh, prospective birth parents, and we did not end up adopting their children. And how that feel? Because that's something that people get nervous about. Oh, they didn't want me, and they feel rejected, and it's so yes. hard. Yes, it's um, very hard. And I know we did that, too, and it's like, oh, they don't want me because I'm overweight or I've got brown eyes instead of blue eyes. And a lot of people take it real personally. It, any advice on that? Because you met with a lot of people then. Well, I, I think just what you said, a lot of people take it personally, so you have to try not to take it personally, which is very difficult to do. Right. But you have to understand that the reasons why a particular uh, birth mother or birth father or both uh, would end up choosing someone else or would end up making a decision to parent as opposed to placing their child for adoption has very little to do with you. It has mm-hmm. everything to do with them and their own circumstances. And I think, too, if you really believe that God's got a, the right child for you and you yes. keep that in mind that, this, that everything happens for a reason, I find that when I see families that, that go through that and then they finally have the child meant for them in their arms, mm-hmm. they go, I am so glad <laughs> that I waited. Yeah, and, we did that. You know, and that's I think that happens, too. So when you were sharing, so learn about the birth parents and their background. Yes. And, then, and then I think it's very important to discuss with them the degree of openness that you each prefer mm-hmm. and to come to a mutual agreement on how you'd like to start things off. Mm-hmm. And I always advise people to err on the side of caution. You can always open an adoption more as time goes on, mm-hmm. but it's emotionally difficult to move from openness to less openness. I think that's true because people feel like, and I think like you did, you started out slowly and then Mm -hmm. found it because some people will meet with birth parents and think, I don't really want this. And I've had birth parents say, I don't want to feel bad, but, you know, I make them feel bad, but I'm at peace now and I really don't want the openness. And I've had adopted parents say, but you agreed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it goes both ways. And another thing I'd like to add that I think is really important that a lot of people don't think about is the grandparents, the biological grandparents Mm. of the child. Mm -hmm. In an open adoption, many of the biological grandparents are anxious and willing to play a role in their grandchild's life. Right. And so I would encourage adoptive parents or prospective adoptive parents that if you are comfortable with having biological grandparents involved in your child's life, mm-hmm. it can be one of mm-hmm. the most wonderful blessings that you will mm-hmm. ever experience. And I think that's important. My daughter has five sets of grandparents, and mm-hmm. I think it's important. I don't think you can have enough people love your own child. So I think that's really important. And um, I, I, I totally agree. You also had said um, 
you know, extended family and adoptive parents, they need that ups and downs. They need to know about this, too. How can you educate people? I mean, you have this wonderful tip sheet you're offering, too. Um, what can you say to help people just in a snapshot when you're meeting them at a party or, you know, a church and they're saying something about adoption that, that maybe you need to educate them on? Do you have any tips on what to say um, to support them? Well, my first bit of advice before people even open their mouths is to, I, I once heard someone say, don't give advice, give Christ. Mm. And I think that the best way to support someone is to avoid saying things that just pop into your head, like adopt and you'll get pregnant. Oh, or yes. adoption is the easy way to form a family. Mm. And instead to really work at tuning up your listening skills. Right. Listening can be such a greater service to adoptive parents than speaking can mm-hmm. be. Right. And I firmly believe in the ministry of attentive listening, where mm-hmm. we don't try to be therapists, we don't moralize, we don't share adoption horror stories, but we just listen and we ask open-ended questions of our friends and our family members who are seeking to adopt. Yeah, I think that's very important. I think anytime we can listen more, too, and I find, too, just listening to the birth parents, you can learn so much, too, from them. So in, in all areas, I think that's mm-hmm. important. If you could go back um, and change anything about your adoption, what would it be? I think that I would have yielded more of my fears and my stress and my heartaches to God. Mm-hmm. During the adoption process, my husband and I felt so out of control, and we tried to grab whatever vestige of control we could maintain. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes when you try to control everything, it backfires on you, because in mm-hmm. adoption, things never work out the way you'd anticipated. And then what do you do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. If you've planned everything down to the last uh, dot, and it, and it doesn't happen the way you want it to, then how do you react? And I think that Adoption gives us so many opportunities to place our trust in God and to hand over our worries and our stress to God and to really believe that God is rooting for us and he has so many exciting discoveries prepared for us if we're open to allowing him to mm-hmm. reveal them to mm-hmm. us. Yeah, and I think that's that right there is just a big key. We could do a whole program just on that is just trusting. And I've seen that where people that are used to being in controlling, this is, I know myself, I am a, a personality, used to running my own company. And when it came to infertility and adoption, I had very little control over a lot of it. I had to let go or go nuts. Yes. <laughs> and I think that's a really, you know, honest um, thing to say, too. Some t- we've only got a few moments, but I, I know that you're working on a couple books, and I want to mm-hmm. share this. You're working on uh, some, some great books that I am excited to see. One of them is called, So What's um, So Great About Adoption? You know, you address the challenges that prospective adoptive families, parents face. Um, this is going to be coming out in 2007. Um, I know you're excited about this contract. I think it's great. Tell us a little bit about, briefly, about what you're including in that book. Well, the book is for prospective adoptive parents and for those in their support network, such mm-hmm. as their extended family and their friends and their coworkers. It's really not so much uh, a how-to book like your book, AdoptingOnline.com, mm-hmm. but really it gets up close and personal with a lot of the common questions and concerns and stereotypes that people have about adoption, and it kind of guides you and your support network through those questions in kind of new and refreshing ways. That's wonderful, and that is so very much needed, and I think that we need to uh, keep that in mind because as we're educating people, as adoption is becoming more and more popular, infertility is on the rise, mm-hmm. we're going to have more people, and we need a good book like that. So we're going to have to, when the, sh- the book is coming out, you've got to be back on the show so okay. we can talk about that because I think it'll be super, and I think that's very much needed. Um, we know that type of book that people can get in there, like you said, a very personal niche type thing that we all face and we don't know what to do too. Well, Laura, I know that we're going to, you're going to join us next week again, and we're going to be talking next week about, um, starting your adoption ministry, um, for people like you have done, uh, in your church and community. And that's going to be a great show. So I hope people will tune in next week to get more information on that. 
um, about that. I want to share again your website, which is laurachristensen.com. And uh, on your site, Laura, briefly, they can find your information on blogs and articles where you're speaking. And um, anything else on the site that you want to share right now that they can find on the laurachristensen.com site? Well, as you said, there's links to both my blogs on there, as well as links to many, many other blogs, both adoption-related blogs and just blogs in general, and um, a whole gamut of information about all aspects of the adoption process for parents and birth parents and adopted people. Well, listen, thank you so much. We will see you next week, and I'm Marty Caldwell. It's been a pleasure being with you this week. God bless you. Have a wonderful week, and we'll join you next week. Thank you for joining us for Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell. For more adoption information, visit LifetimeAdoption.com or call 1-800-923-6784. That's 1-800-9-ADOPT-4. And tune in again next week at the same time for Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell.